2: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now, or learn the stuff they don't want you to know.
3: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Noel is on adventures today.
2: Yes, they call me Ben, but most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. We just got the green light from our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. It is bright today, too, Paul. Jeez. It is. It must be one of those new LED bulbs. I think that's what it is. But you know, I, I seem to recall that one of us anticipated this, Matt. Maybe even predicted it. Oh. Yes. Was, do it, it, was it you? Uh, it might have been, but you and I have made many predictions on the show, right? And earlier, you predicted that today's episode would be a success. Yes, and I have, not vague, uh, not vague, at not all. not not vague at all. Now, I have a I have a, a strange inkling that someone who is listening to the show today is either near or not near a body of water. well they're either I, I either their their name has the letter e in it or they know someone who does oh my gosh i know spooky right oh wait i'm sensing something
3: all right there's a dog barking i can hear that yep yep somewhere somewhere it's a it sounds like a small breed mm-hmm.
2: uh-oh uh just be careful mm-hmm. if you can hear that dog I'm seeing a plane or some sort of uh, uh, a sky. Yeah? Like a pressurized <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: air? Yeah, I can feel the pressure, the air pressure.
2: I think it either was a Tuesday or will be in the future <laughs> or may even be right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, wow, we are starting this off on <laughs> a little bit of a, a let, let's say, a, a little bit of a glib note. You just cast a net, you know? Mm-hmm. And— Today, folks, we are tackling something many of you have asked us about via email, um, YouTube comments back in the day and, uh, of course, through social media. And that is the nature of a psychic detective. Ultimately, the question is, have psychics actually solved crimes? And we've come across several of these types of psychics, Mm -hmm. right, that have –
3: looked into crimes, psychics that have been involved with the law in some way or another, Mm -hmm. been in court, in fact. But we've never delved deeply into the United States history of psychics. Well, and and outside of the United States as well.
2: And so, to be absolutely clear, this is a true crime episode. Oh,
3: yes. And that's really hot right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we just got to roll with it. <laughs> yes. Uh, old friend, again, mastermind of uh, Atlanta Monster.
3: Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Everything. I did everything on that show.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's not true. That's should, not true you at all, see, but thanks. <laughs> you should see Matt. Matt, you are so humble and modest. Uh, Matt was shaking his head in a what-are-you-doing-to-me, Ben, sort of fashion.
3: Yes. Let's let's talk about (laughs) these old United States, the red, white, and blue. We've got a bit of a problem when it comes to um, people doing things that are against the law.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. The U.S. inarguably has a problem with crime. And on an even more disturbing level, not only do we have a problem with crime, but we have a tremendous problem with solving crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, only about half of the violent crimes that take place in the U.S. and only about a third of property crimes that occur in the U.S. each year are even reported to police. So that's not a ding on law enforcement. They can't do anything if they don't know what's what's happening.
3: Yeah, that is uh, an, an intense statistic, just knowing that there's that much crime occurring in, in this huge country that, that the police don't even know about.
2: Right. And, wow. Yeah. And there, there can be any number of reasons that people would not report a crime. Maybe they don't want to be implicated or they have some, some sort of sketchiness in their past, right? Well,
3: yeah. Or if you take it to recent issues, perhaps they might have a problem with immigration, if they were that's to a report point. a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a very intense issue. If you know something bad has happened to you, but if you do report it, you're probably gone from this country.
2: Right. And there, there are many reasons that are similar to this and often very tragic. For instance, in cases of domestic violence mm-hmm. or something, uh, something where someone in your family or even a, a loved one or a spouse or – Significant other has done something violent to you or someone you know, but you don't want them to go to jail. These are only some of the causes for a lack of reporting crime. But let's look at the crimes that are reported. Most of the crimes that are reported in the U.S. do not result in the arrest, charging, and prosecution of a suspect, and that's according to government stats, right? According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, in 2015 – now,
3: that's just the most recent year that we had statistics for. uh, In 2015, 47 percent of the violent crimes and 35 percent of the property crimes tracked by that uh, that group were reported to police. So that is – Uh, Well less than half, especially violent crimes, 35%.
2: Right. This is simply the reality of the situation. It does not matter if you are an ardent supporter of law enforcement in the U.S. or in your home country, whatever your neck of the global woods may be, and it does not matter if you are a committed anarchist who believes that we should just burn this house of cards down. As experts work around the clock, at least in theory, Mm -hmm. uh, to solve these various crimes and these unexplained disappearances, they use every possible resource legally available to close the case – Or in examples uh, that we've seen in fiction, such as The Wire, uh, sometimes illegal methods.
3: Yeah, exactly. Well, because there are a lot of problems that they run into when you're dealing with a disappearance. There may be neighbors that did actually see something that you Mm -hmm. could have a viable witness that – don't want to speak to the police for other various reasons sure. right? I mean we we can go into all those but but let's just spend a moment on the disappearances themselves. Mm. There there are as many as 100,000 active missing persons cases in the United States at any given time. Yes.
2: 100,000 at any given moment. It does not matter if you were listening to this podcast in 2019, 2043, Any given moment since we started counting, of the 692,944 people reported missing in 2010, for instance, 531,928 were under the age of 18. These are kids too. Oh my god, that is an awful statistic. And – we have more information regarding this statistic. Is that correct?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, According to the National Crime Information Center, that's the NCIC, 355,243 women were reported missing in 2010 compared to 337,660 men. So not that much of a a difference, but Mm -hmm. more women going missing here in 2010.
2: And either way, even if we put gender divisions or how people identify aside, we're still looking at hundreds of thousands of people. And when we talk about missing persons, we need to immediately bust some myths, some missing person myths. It mm-hmm. was oddly hard to say, Matt. First things first, you do not have to wait 24 hours to report a missing person. That is one of the most dangerous misconceptions. Yeah. And second, you, if you are an adult, can choose to go missing. You, you can uh, report somebody who doesn't want to be found, but it's within their legal right in most cases in general to ghost if they wish. Wow! Unless, you know, doing that also violates a law such as jumping bail.
3: Oh, sure. And not to mention maybe the bill collectors. <laughs> right. Because right. you're probably paying somebody something on a monthly basis.
2: Sure. Statistically, that's true. And again, this is just the U.S. So let us Mm -hmm. know how laws work in your country. It may affect uh, your experience with this topic we're exploring today. In the United States, however, many of the people who are reported missing are found within a few days. Unfortunately, many other people will either not be found alive or in some cases, not be found at all. And there really is a ticking
3: clock situation here. When when someone goes missing, every passing moment lessens that likelihood of their safe recovery. You've heard that 48 hours, that 2 days that we just mentioned before is the most crucial time to find a missing person, and it, it really is. Yeah. And it has uh, there are a lot of factors there too. It has to do with police being able to put their resources into a case. Sure. I mean, you know what could happen to you within 48 hours. There's just all kinds of factors
2: there. Racism and prejudice play an enormous role in this, uh, either systemic on the institutional level where for some uh, reason of racism or prejudice, a police precinct is not given the resources it needs mm-hmm. to address crime uh, or individual matters of prejudice where people say, oh, you know, people like that fall off the grid all the time. He's probably just... On uh, heroin or, or yeah. quaaludes or something, and he'll come to eventually, they'll show up.
3: Yeah, that's a real factor. And just that the fact that there are all these people going missing mm-hmm. every year, moment to moment, then all the other violent crimes, all of the nonviolent crimes that have to be investigated, and you you think about the resource problem and it just becomes overwhelming.
2: And then let's also factor in something that will become very, very important to today's episode, media coverage. Oh, this is huge, yeah. So, if a if a prominent person goes missing, say a uh, someone who is the child of a very important politician or a very wealthy family, or if a celebrity goes missing or something, a public mm. figure, then the media will latch on, and this means that a national spotlight is suddenly put on the police department. It's like
3: the Patty Hearst case,
2: right? Yeah, that's a great example. It's no surprise then that in some cases, perhaps more cases than you might assume, police have employed unorthodox methods in their search for missing persons or their quest to solve a crime. Here are the facts. Friends, neighbors, you have probably heard apocryphal tales of a police department at its wits end finally resorting to something that sounds like it's straight out of a fantasy novel or an episode of the twilight zone (laughs) the original series the good one and that's an official law enforcement organization actually contacting self-proclaimed psychics for assistance with a case
3: yes this is a very real thing and it comes about in roughly two ways the first one is the the psychic—this is the majority of the cases, by mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. that you hear about this. The psychic themselves like contacts the police and says, hey, I heard about this thing in the news. I need to tell you—I need to talk to you about what I think I've found or let me help you at least.
2: Right, right. And this, this is huge. So when a case receives—especially if it receives national attention mm-hmm. right, from a syndicated news source. Thousands of calls can roll into the precinct and of those thousands of calls, you'd be surprised how many of them are calls from people claiming that through some extrasensory ability, right? Mm -hmm. Through some some sort of extrasensory perception. A
3: dream or a vision or something. Yeah,
2: exactly. A dream or a vision, they have received something that could help with the case and – Many of the other calls are going to be people who are, say, reporting a suspicious person. Mm-hmm. Like in America's Most Wanted, they say this person is so-and-so Here's a sketch or here's a photo and then, you know, they're inundated with calls because someone, you know, in like Hamlake, Minnesota or something, which is a real place, thought that they saw a, a roughly six-foot-one – Guy with a beard and a hoodie and that matched the description, right? Yep. But we're focusing on the psychics and the majority of cases, as you said, Matt, are going to be someone who believes they have psychic abilities contacting the investigating authorities with the best of intentions. Yeah, I can help you. Yeah. I
3: I believe that I found this and I want to tell you about
2: it. And we want to say this at the front. Most of these calls are from people who genuinely believe they're doing the right thing. Are there hoaxes? Yes, of course, sure.
3: Are there charlatans? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But not all of these people are in any way.
2: Right. At least not not purposely so. Yes. And the second method, and this is far less frequent and far more interesting, would be when members of law enforcement may reach out unofficially to – a psychic. This happens way less often than works of fiction which have you believe. And often when it does happen, there's a very strange, convoluted series of events that occurs. We will see maybe family members of the missing person themselves reach out to a psychic mm-hmm. and then they act as the middle ground, right? The connecting tissue between law enforcement and the psychic. Or we may see a member of law enforcement on their own reach out yes so not not like an official letter from the police chief saying madam bell please help us find uh the notorious uh uh, uh timpani drum thief
3: yeah the timpani drum thief was a notorious Mm-hmm. Uh, up at Forsyth Central <laughs> High School, I remember him.
2: We were originally uh, when we started this podcast years and years ago. We were originally just going to make it about that case.
3: Yeah, I know that was going to be the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was going to be called Drum Disappeared.
2: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> could you could you say the title again? And Paul, could you could you throw in that uh, theme music we we used for our original demo, which I think is just a timpani drum.
3: This week on Drum Disappeared.
2: Oh, what a surefire hit! Yeah, I know.
3: I feel like we really missed the boat there. We need to. We need to keep working on that show.
2: We missed the beat. Oh, we did. We did. But no, true story. These things happen. Maybe not as much as we would like to believe. But it's startling that they happen at all. And there are multiple examples of this in the real world. So let's go with the category that you proposed first, Matt, which is an example of psychics contacting the police. Absolutely. And we'll do that right after a word from our sponsor.
0: each.
3: Visit LiveNation.com slash to buy now.
0: That's LiveNation.com slash to buy now.
4: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position
0: So does Terminix.
2: No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control.
3: Terminix it.
2: Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
3: That's T E R M I N I
1: X.com to book online today. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Let's set the scene. It's
2: the 1st of May, 2001, and a Washington, D.C. intern named Chandra Levy goes missing. Psychics from around the world, not just in the United States, call and they provide tips from realizations. They've seen revelations. They've experienced dreams or visions that they have had and they – many of them say that uh, Levy is dead, that one way or another she has died and many of their tips were suggestions for where to search for her body. Some of these were vague and some of them were a little more specific, and that's interesting because typically what we find in these cases is that psychic detectives are generally going to be kind of vague mm-hmm. because they're working off what they feel are intuitive, uh, intuitive sensations. Right? Yeah. So one prediction was that her body would be found in the basement of a Smithsonian storage building. Kind of specific. Yeah, really
3: specific. Uh, Then another one would be just somewhere in the Potomac River.
2: Mm, Somewhere in the Nevada desert.
3: Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you get to an entire river or an entire desert, it's not really a prediction. It's, you know, like you said, a feeling that they may have had or a vision. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to— to narrow any of that down. And each of of these tips really didn't lead anywhere for the investigators.
2: Right. They were all dead ends. And, of course, the people who are making these predictions aren't saying, you know, they're not holding the information hostage. It's very important. They're not saying they're buried somewhere in the Nevada desert. I know where, by my book. Or pay me the uh, ransom fee if there is one or something Mm -hmm. like that. It's not financially related in that way. A little more than a year after her disappearance, Levy's body was discovered by a man walking his dog in a remote section of not the Smithsonian, not the Potomac, not the Nevada desert, but – In Rock Creek Park, which is in northwest D.C., So out of all of the people from around the world who called in, they were all wrong. So far as we know, according to the police department, according to the media sources, we could find. Mm -hmm. And we have other examples.
3: Yes, Elizabeth Smart is another person who disappeared this time in June of 2002. And uh, in this case, police received about 9,000 tips from psychics. And the Salt Lake City police chief, Uh, Lieutenant Chris Burbank, he said that responding to all of these, you know, all all this advice, it's unsolicited advice. It's just sent to them. Mm -hmm. Um, It ate up so many hours of police work and the family of Elizabeth Smart maintains that they received zero significant assistance from psychics, Mm
2: -hmm. which is
3: is sad that there are that many people trying to help but no dice.
2: And there's a strange thing that occurs here too because – we could say maybe the police department does not want to officially acknowledge that their lead came from some inexplicable phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's tougher to say that the family would also participate in some kind of cover-up because they have no official institution binding them. They are free mm-hmm. to say what they wish. Mm-hmm. So in both of those cases, it appears that, again, officially – None of these people were able to help in a meaningful way. And furthermore, it appears they were harming the investigation with the best of intentions because they were eating up hours that police could have spent chasing other leads. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we have to realize is in these examples and the other examples we're exploring, it's not as if the police got a phone call from— a psychic and said, oh, "Okay, whoop de doo. I'll get right on that. Let me uh, dial you up by a crystal from a crystal ball, even if they did think it was a load of bunk, they at least compiled it, you know, gave mm-hmm. gave it um, gave it consideration, probably not as a credible source, but they want to have a record because if you if of, for instance if of those 9,000 calls in a case like this even fifteen hundred or a thousand of them said, Hey, there's this abandoned drugstore hmm. on on some city street, fourth and eighth. Then you can you can be damn well sure they're gonna send somebody to fourth and eighth. Absolutely. Just because the same place is being reported so often. We also found that some psychics attain a degree of fame, or maybe notoriety is a better word, by repeatedly attempting to assist law enforcement or appearing to assist law enforcement.
3: Yes, one of the most famous examples of this kind of thing is the late Sylvia Celeste Brown. She was once known as America's Most Controversial Psychic, which is, you know, a moniker that makes sense.
2: Yeah, that came from a writer working with the guardian Mm. so that was a british papers perspective yeah she
3: had all kinds of television appearances
2: yeah she was on larry king live she was on montel williams uh she had been a repeat guest on coast to coast am Mm -hmm. which is one of has always been one of my favorite am radio shows additionally yes we must say fare thee well to Art Bell, who recently passed away and was a longtime host of Coast to Coast AM, you are missed. Boy, I brought the mood down there. But she she appeared on a lot of
3: shows. Yes, she did. Let's go through some of the cases that she, let's say, worked on. Yeah. Uh, in 1999, she said that uh, six-year-old Opal Joe Jennings, who had disappeared a month earlier, had been forced into slavery in Japan. And later that year, a local man was convicted of kidnapping and murdering Jennings in uh that's not at all what uh, she had alluded to. And then in 2003, an autopsy of Jennings' remains found that she had died within hours of her abduction. So,
2: so no Japan, mm-hmm. no uh, human trafficking, a local criminal, and uh, she died within hours. Yeah. In 2002, Brown claimed to have realizations—psychic realizations, that is—about the fate of someone named Holly Cruson who disappeared in 1995. Cruson, Brown claimed, was working as an exotic dancer at a Hollywood nightclub. However, in 2006, dental records were used to identify a body found in 1996 in San Diego as that of Holly Cruson. So in one case— uh she claims that someone is alive and they were enslaved in a foreign country they are dead and they died relatively close to where they were kidnapped uh in the other case she claims that someone is alive when they've been dead for quite a while so
3: yeah and there's more and there is more in the year 2000, a woman named Linda McClelland disappeared and then in two years later in 2002, Brown claimed uh, that she had been taken by a man with the initials MJ and was alive somewhere in Orlando, Florida. And uh, she was going to be found soon. That's what, that's what she said. And then in 2003, McClelland's son David Rapaski, who had been present at Brown's reading, was convicted of murdering McClelland. And her remains were found just really close to her home in Pennsylvania. Mm. Again, just so far off the mark here.
2: Right. And this is 2002. right? So it's the same year as the Krustin example. Mm -hmm. There was another person who disappeared in 2000. That was a 19-year-old named Ryan Catcher. And Brown in 2004 claimed that Catcher had been murdered and his body would be found in a metal shaft – uh, in 2006, two years later, his body was found in his truck at the bottom of a pond uh, and the autopsy indicated he had died due to drowning.
3: Now, that one is – that is the closest that I think she came.
2: Right. And it may sound as if we are cherry-picking to find unsuccessful cases. Mm-hmm. That's something that a lot of supporters of this practice will, will argue Right. Yes. Uh, we are pulling these from admittedly a skeptical source called the Skeptical Inquirer. Yeah. So they mapped several studies of her work over a couple of years. In 2010, they published a three-year study that was uh, written by Ryan Schaefer and Agatha Jadwiskaus that examined Brown's predictions about missing persons and murder cases. So this is over the span of three years, yeah. right? Despite Brown's repeated claims to be more than 85 percent correct, this study reported that, quote, Brown has not even been mostly correct in a single case. They compared the psychics' televised statements about 115 cases with newspaper reports and said that in the 25 cases where the actual outcome was known, Mm -hmm. wherein experts found the body or found the person or they found the method of death, etc., that in those 25 cases, Brown was completely wrong in every single one. And in the rest, they said where the final outcome was unknown, they couldn't substantiate their case, her case. They couldn't say whether she was right or wrong because— Not of, enough information. Right, other than her belief that you know, she, was, she was legitimately receiving signals from some other source. And then they did a follow-up study in 2013. Yes, and this one, it looked at some
3: of the more recent predictions by Brown as well as the predictions that had earlier been classified as undetermined because there were, you know, there wasn't enough information. Um, Because a lot of those were now largely resolved. And according to Schaefer, Brown was mostly or completely wrong in 33 cases and mostly accurate in
2: none. And... To this day, uh, supporters of Brown will, will typically say that this record looks bad because people were, again, only picking out unsuccessful cases. The folks at the skeptical inquirer will argue that they gave a comprehensive look at all possible instances where Brown would have been correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, people also say, well, maybe the police department is not telling the whole truth, which unfortunately— is a not uncommon occurrence in the U.S. nowadays and in the past. Let's look at an example of police contacting a psychic of the much uh, less common, dare I say much more fascinating – uh, category that we mentioned.
3: Yeah, and I think this category is born from desperation from a police department or law enforcement agency. At least it is in this first example. Mm-hmm. So, in 1980, the Atlanta Police Department contacted a self-proclaimed psychic named Dorothy Allison, and they were contacting her to assist with finding a serial killer that they could not locate. Um, And this is according to the Washington Post from 1980. Mm -hmm. So at the time, Dorothy was working on – or she had just written this book and she was on a book tour. It was called A Psychic Story and she had recently gone on – what is it? The Phil Donahue Show, which was huge at the time, one of those talk shows. And after this appearance, apparently according to this article and according to City Hall of Atlanta – The citizens, uh, numerous citizens, were just flooding their phone networks with people saying, you need to talk to Dorothy Allison. She's going to help you out. Mm -hmm. So this is in the midst of the Atlanta child murders, which occurred from 1979 to 81. That's – and at this point within the Atlanta child murders where there were 30-plus victims, uh, mostly children, there were already 10 young black children – who had disappeared and Mm -hmm. then been found murdered, and then there were four others who were actively missing. And several other ones hadn't been reported yet. Exactly, And there were no major suspects in the case at this moment. So the department itself, the police department, along with the task force that they created in the FBI, are just desperate to get any leads, anything at all. So they called her. And according to Dorothy Allison, she had worked with police in more than 100 cases, including the Patty Hearst case... Uh, the kidnapping, as well as the the John Gacy murders, the John Wayne Gacy murders. Um, she also stated within this article, after speaking to people there, uh, that she had helped find more than fifty missing persons through her visions. So she's claiming that over fifty people have been found by her. Here's the here's the tough thing. What's that? Even the mothers of some of these these children who were slain, the the victims they were really hopeful that Dorothy might actually come in and find something that just the police investigations, the the more mundane ways of finding somebody. Mm-hmm. It wasn't working. They were hopeful that Dorothy could. There's a quote here from Willie Mae Mathis, who's the mother of one of the victims, Jeffrey Mathis, and she said, I believe in Dorothy Allison. She is not raising false hopes, but I pray she'll tell me my child is still alive. And that kind of... The sense that you give a victim's a victim's family member when you have a psychic coming in that there is hope or something at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. it's, it's so positive and negative at the same time, which is fascinating to me.
2: It's powerful. I could tell that it really got to you as well in the course of your research. It moved you.
3: Well, it did because I want to believe that Dorothy was trying to help out. But I know she's also trying to sell her book. She's actively trying to sell her book. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge national case. And she's putting herself in front of the camera. When she's doing this investigation, she's being driven around in a limousine.
2: Right. For three days?
3: Yes. And taking – what they referred to after all the fact, mm-hmm. a wild goose chase. She named over thirty names of um, who it possibly could be. Forty-two, I think. Right? Yeah, it was. It was closer to forty-two. Yeah, yeah. Um, Williams was not in there. Although I believe she claims that Williams was in there. Wayne Williams is the name of the person eventually who's convicted of these crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, it seems like she didn't lead them anywhere.
2: And we were looking. Because I was I was helping with a little bit of the research for this for the monster show, and one of the things we found was that many people associated with law enforcement or APD at the time did not buy this lady's story. Yeah, they didn't want it to even happen. Because right.
3: her story is that she helped all these people. She had a. Was an investigator from New Jersey that would be her interpreter for other police departments Mm -hmm. because she would give these vague descriptions and then this interpreter would go through and say, well, you know, this is what she really means.
2: Right. And there's something oracular about that because it it calls to mind, you know, the ways that prophets or seers of old would have a a spiritual revelation, say at Delphi or something, Mm -hmm. and then someone else – would interpret that for the common people, yeah, the non-enlightened amongst us.
3: Yeah, you're writing that line between if something like this was real, perhaps you would need something like that. But then also if it's not real, it's a helpful tool to kind of obfuscate what you're – what's going on.
2: So now the question that I can predict is on everyone's mind is is, ah, oh, Matt, Ben – Paul, Mission Control Deccant, are you all really telling us that this is an enormous con job? Is the stuff they don't want you to know in this episode, the fact that some psychics don't want you to know they actually don't have powers? Are you going to spend this entire time poo-pooing the, the hope that families have? Not quite. Not quite. And it surprised – frankly, it surprised both of us to find this. And they all, oddly enough, come from Australia. What? Yes, yes. (laughs) Down under. (gasps) All right. Down under. Uh, Am I saying that correctly? Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Melbourne. Melbourne. (laughs) Oh, boy. We're going to get a letter about that. So, yes, in 2001, the body of Thomas Braun, B-R-A-U-N, was located by a Perth-based clairvoyant named Liana Adams in Western Australia. The body was in Western Australia, rather. Braun's family had been told to contact Adams. They didn't come out – they didn't come up with this idea of whole whole cloth. Mm -hmm. Adams went to Alice Springs in the northern territory of Australia and apparently she took the family members directly to Thomas Braun's remains and it, it was in a, a ridge that was about 20 kilometers west of town. They couldn't immediately identify the body. But Adams, again, according to the story, mm-hmm. said, nope, that is him. And police later confirmed the remains to be his through DNA testing. That's astonishing. It's yeah. just the, the surface of that is true, right? And again, this – This psychic was based in Perth, and that's not the only case that comes to us from Australia. We'll have a couple more for you. Stay tuned after the break.
0: So does Terminix.
2: No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
3: That's T E R M I N I X.com to
1: book online today. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
2: So here's another one. If we jump around in time a little bit, this this one messes, I think, with geography the most. Okay. In Sydney, Australia, in 1996, the fiance of a missing person named Paula Brown approached a psychic named Philippe Durant to ask for help. I think it's Philip Durant. It's Fi- uh, Philip. I'm just joking. It's, Philip it's Philippe Durant. Durant.
3: Uh, just so you understand how it's spelled
2: Philip Durant. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so Durant told the police the location of Paula Brown's body. Um, Durant himself did not physically go and find the body. It was spotted within two miles of where he predicted it would be found by a lorry driver who came across the remains. And this prompted uh, a statement that changed the game for people who are advocates of psychic detective work. It was this.
3: Even though the body was discovered purely by chance, the speculation by a clairvoyant appears to have been uncannily accurate. Which is a quote from a spokesperson from the police department there, right? And it's, I mean, it's true. If you just pointed on a map somewhere and said, "I think that's where it is," and then mm-hmm. within two kilometers, that's where the person is. That's at least, I don't. The chances are very slim for that.
2: I mean, some people would argue they're not as slim as we would think, but I feel at the very least, it's a stunning coincidence. That that's is true. very least,
3: it is going to happen every once in a while, right?
2: Sure, yeah.
3: Just just by odds, but it feels extra special.
2: There was another, let's call it a near miss. This is a weird one and it's it's much more recent. In August of 2010, an Aboriginal elder named Cheryl Carol Loggerway claimed that she had seen the location of a missing child, a child named Keisha Abrahams, in a dream, that the location of this body came to her in a dream. Police had been investigating the disappearance, and Carol Lagerwey took them, took law enforcement to a location where they did, in fact, find a dead body. However,
3: it was a body of an adult female, not of the child.
2: Um, fortunately, unfortunately, right. So it was a another. Maybe we could call it a near miss. So, yeah, but but yeah. in that situation, what happened there? Could she sense? Uh,
3: the, the dead body somehow? I mean, that, is, that again is astonishing to me.
2: Right. And if someone was being skeptical, they might say, well, did she know of the dead body and feel like this was the safest way to reveal it? Maybe. You know, there, there are layers to that tale. Oh, yeah. So the question then becomes, has any psychic actually solved a case? Here's where it gets crazy.
3: No. Well, uh, officially,
2: no. Right. The official answer is almost always going to be heck no, even in cases where individual family members, relatives, or law enforcement professionals believe psychics did provide some sort of assistance. In fact, multiple law enforcement agencies have official statements claiming they have never uh, and are not currently and will not in the future treat psychic advice as, quote, credible information. Not even Australia. They say they do not officially accept assistance from psychics in most cases. Don't call us. We'll call you, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better phrase. However, in Western Australia, the Western Australia police say that while they will not seek out info from psychics, they will accept info if it is offered.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the way to handle it. On the off chance that somebody gets lucky or actually does have some kind of powers and knows something, we'll take it. But for now, we're going to focus on police work.
2: Let's look at some other countries. New Zealand, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom also do not officially interact with psychic or uh, the phrase they use, spiritual-based information, spiritually derived information. Although, again, there's another interesting twist.
3: Yeah, the the United Kingdom's metropolitan police was a bit shady about the way they handle this thing. They're saying, quote— We do not identify people we may or may not speak with in connection with inquiries. We are not prepared to discuss this further.
2: Just got to leave that door open. That is so sketchy. I wouldn't say it's a bit shady. (laughs) We do not identify people we may or may not speak with in connection with inquiries. We're not prepared to discuss this further. It sounds like they're not specifically referring to the question at all, to psychic detectives. Yeah, any, they, that could be anything as uh, this. That, that's this a blanket statement that also covers, for instance, CIs yeah. or other inmates or something. And you know, for some reason, that phrase, that whole phrase, feels very British to me. <laughs> right. It reminds me of uh, CIA speak. You yeah, know? it's spook speak. But the that's the thing. They're not saying yes or no. Dude, they're hiding. What they're doing
3: with that is they're hiding their interaction with some master AI that they're working with to oh. solve crimes. That's what they're doing.
2: Right. This is this is similar to that episode where we asked if technology would lead us to a point where we can predict the future. Yeah. The answer, by the way, if you haven't heard the episode is um, – Almost, yeah, we're almost there. We're getting close. (laughs) The show will probably still be on when that happens,
3: right? And then you think about the massive network of security cameras that exist in London alone, and some of this other stuff. That's what's happening, dude.
2: That is, it is true. By the way, my co-host is correct. The United Kingdom has the highest rate of uh, CCTV cameras or surveillance cameras. in comparison to the size of the population mm-hmm. in the world. Oh yeah. Now, are, are they all linked? Uh, the official answer is no. Yes. The official answer is no. <laughs> uh, so, this is th- this is fascinating because quotes like this persuade people who do believe that there's there's some sand to the idea of psychic investigation. It, it seems like a smoking gun mm-hmm. if you believe this, you know. What about the United States? Well, the United States is overall more friendly towards psychics in this regard. Way back in 1993, there was a survey of police departments from 50 of the largest cities in the U.S., and they found that a third of these departments had accepted information and predictions from psychic detectives in the past. Of those police departments... Only seven treated this information from psychics differently than they would a normal source. So that means only seven – most likely that means only seven said, hey, this person's a real crockpot on high. Let's just leave them to simmer you know, and follow up some real leads. I get what you're saying. I feel like that was a convoluted way to get there. No, I got it though. I say I don't want to say a crock. I'm trying to make I'm trying to work crockpot. Yeah, you got it, man. I don't know. Crackpot. Crockpot. <laughs> you're you're far too kind. It also turns out that there's something counterintuitive at play here, or at least we thought it was counterintuitive. Precincts in larger cities are more likely to work with a psychic than precincts in smaller cities. I'll tell you why. Why is that? Because they have bigger media. In those large
3: cities, there are more reasons for the person to get on television or be in a, you know, a major news article if you're in a big city doing it.
2: So you don't think it's a motivation of the police or law enforcement. You think it's a motivation of the person attempting to use psychic powers to investigate. I mean,
3: that is my opinion with capital O. But yeah, that's what I think.
2: I never thought about that. That is a fascinating point. Still. No police department reported in this study any instances of a psychic investigator providing information that was more helpful than other information or other leads they received during the course of investigating a case. Since any information would have to be proven correct, they could only use the stuff that matched other evidence as they were building a case. However, we did find some interesting tantalizing hints of uh, instances of unofficial cooperation.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, despite this this whole almost universal dismissal of all this psychic stuff and psychic-based investigation, there, there really is evidence that police have at least responded to and in many cases analyzed the claims of psychics. So taking in all sources, you got to treat it as though there might be something there, right? Um, and organizations such as the FBI have even taken this information into some sort of account. Like – Thinking about it in some way, even if they're not treating it as if it's full-on evidence.
2: Sure. Yeah. In a book called Mindhunter, inside the FBI's elite serial crime unit, authors John Douglas and Mark Olshaker note that a former senior investigator for the FBI said psychics may be used as, quote, a last resort as an investigative tool with caution for providing clues not directly admissible in the court of law, such as comments on the criminal's character or the location of dead bodies.
3: That's intense.
2: That's incredible, right? Because that is someone in the FBI saying, well, it's not our favorite thing, but occasionally, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's not an alien occurrence to them. They didn't immediately say that's some TV miniseries ha hogwash. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: and that's John Douglas, one of the guys that created the the whole behavior analyst mm-hmm. thing, like mm-hmm. the sciences behind that. He's one of the guys that did that. And just to have someone that he's quoting in his book stating something like that—that's in,
1: an,
2: right. And then again, we see that. Many psychics and people who support these practices believe that police departments are successfully using these folks or successfully cooperating with these self-proclaimed psychics, but that the departments are keeping the knowledge hidden from the public in order to preserve their own credibility. Mm-hmm. So they might secretly go to some uh, some hermit, you know, on a fourth floor, walk up in an apartment. That doesn't want anyone to know that they are capable of finding names just by closing their eyes and holding an object that the killer or the victim had. Uh, That would be psychometry. Which is a really cool <laughs> yes. power if it exists.
3: Uh-huh. Well, at least we now know what John Edward is doing uh, now that he's, I guess, retired. I mean, he might not be retired.
2: Famous <laughs> TV psychic. Right. Who claims to help people commune with their loved ones who have passed beyond the mortal veil. He had a TV show about it. He did. He was a cold reader. Right. That That would be my personal take, to be honest with yeah. you. But— <laughs> But that's maybe a story for another day. Today, we have some conclusions we can make about this practice, which appears on surface to be very American, more so than perhaps you and I had assumed going in. What what are our positive conclusions here, Matt? Well, the biggest one I
3: think we found – Is that in this type of investigation, when there's a missing persons case and there is a loved one, somebody has a loved one who has gone missing, Mm -hmm. the, the most tangible benefit of psychic involvement is hope. Because if, if you can imagine, take yourself to a place where your family member or a friend of yours has gone missing and the police just can't make any progress because there's no evidence for them to go on. There are no witnesses who saw it happen. Mm-hmm. You just have zero, all of these questions and zero answers. Someone comes along and gives you hope and says, I think I can help you find this person. I think I know that they're here. That, that moment of hope, I think, is the positive thing. I see. The problem is it slingshots a lot of times to what the negative thing about psychics can be. And that is dashing those hopes against rocks or whatever hard thing is nearby. How's that? Well, because the hope that's generated, it's, it's not necessarily false. It's just incorrect a lot of the times. When I say false, I mean it's not someone lying. It's just not the correct information.
2: Or you can't prove it. Yeah,
3: Exactly um and there is no evidence to show that any
2: kind of psychic
3: powers work there's no current evidence to show that it
2: works there are some interesting experiments that have been conducted yeah
3: there are there are experimentations mm-hmm. that cannot be replicated though or they right. have
2: yet to be replicated and of course fans of uh James Randi will will be championing at the bit to point out that nobody has won that $1 million prize for proving any paranormal activity or any psychic uh, abilities. However, on a softer note, Mm -hmm. it is, again, inarguable that you and I and everyone we know and everyone we've ever met – has experienced something inexplicable. You can call it a strange one-in-a-million coincidence. You can call it um, a a slight glimpse at some part of the universe or the human mind that we don't understand. But whether skeptical or whether, you know, true believers, uh, whether you think it's all uh, a cynical play for money or whether you think that not only are psychic powers real, but that you have experienced an event like this, The truth of the matter is that everyone has or will experience something that they feel is inexplicable. And in many cases, the best science we have can make some educated guesses or attempts to explain things, but not all of it. Still, not all of it. That doesn't mean that these things are real. I I hate to have to pump the brakes on that one. But it does mean there's a ton of stuff that we do not understand.
3: Yes. There's still much for us as humans, you and Ben and Paul and I, to discover about what we are, how we function, what our connection to one another is. I think that's one of the biggest things. Mm -hmm. And Noel. Yeah, and Noel. Noel. (laughs) Because, you know, I can definitely feel him in here right now. Yeah. Um, he was, like, scratching on the mic earlier. I don't know if you could hear that, but he was scratching on the mic.
2: I predict he will agree, largely. I think we're all on the—at least us in the room, we're in the on the same page in this regard. So— A conclusion from the skeptic side would say that in most cases, the psychics are either flat-out wrong or they're getting information that was available through mundane means. They've either soaked it up subconsciously or it's a coincidence or in the worst-case scenarios, they're purposely being misleading. Uh, They might be using methods like the one you mentioned, Matt, cold reading, which is when you verbally and nonverbally fish for confirmation to things that you are saying, uh, you know, tells that people are displaying that they are not aware of. And then you use those to make them believe that you have have access to knowledge.
3: Yeah, you shape whatever you're
2: saying to how they're responding. Right. Darren Brown is a master of something like that. Mm -hmm. And then – They'll also point out that the claims of psychics appear to be vague and they're often reinterpreted to retroactively fit the facts of a matter. So that would be a situation like uh, similar to what we did in the beginning of the show. There's someone near water or it's not water or sometime before or after it has been Tuesday. I can see a number seven. Right. Sometimes the way that that horoscopes – have been written in the past where it's like you are a unique person. Sometimes you want to do things and you do them. Other times you want to do them and you
3: don't. There will be a hardship, but you will get past it with the help of something.
2: Mm-hmm. You're a person who enjoys some music. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not dinging anybody's spiritual belief system. What I'm specifically talking about when I'm knocking – Horoscopes, I'm, I'm knocking those uh, weekly mm-hmm. half-a-paragraph things. Yeah. And I'm knocking them because when I used to write them, I sure as heck was just pulling rabbits out of a hat. What?
3: Yeah. Hold, hold on. Yep. Hold on. Yep. Can you say who you wrote it for or what
2: you wrote it for? I wrote it for a student newspaper. Oh, that's awesome! It, cool. it was great. I wanted to write features for the paper, uh, <laughs> but they like, they told me they asked me, "Do you believe in hor? What do you think about horoscopes?" And I said, "I don't really. I don't buy into it." And they said, "Cool. Well, you're hired." And I said, "Great for what?" And they said, "The horoscope column." <laughs> Woo! Got a slow clap on that one.
3: Oh man, you you like you talked up Leo a lot, right?
2: No, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't. I wouldn't think it was fair. No, actually, I tried to make it somewhat inspirational or or useful for people. Was there
3: ever a negative, like a specific month or um, a sign that had to be negative for, like, did you cycle through that? Because it can't all be positive, right? No,
2: and I was pretty open. I wouldn't have done it if I was deceiving people. I was pretty open in the column about how I didn't believe in (laughs) horrors. That's awesome. They were kind of on the level of a really poorly written version of what you would read in the onion or mad magazine or something. So last I, question, I was not purposely deceiving people <laughs> into thinking I had some sort of got you knowledge of the passage of the heavens.
3: Last question. Did you have a byline and are they available somewhere?
2: I bet Do you know, I don't know. I don't know.
3: I'm going to make t-shirts with Ben <laughs> Bolin's horoscopes. <Gump's. laughs>
2: Be careful, Matt. Every so often, off air, I threaten. I threaten Matt with the idea of, of getting us all T-shirts with his face on them.
3: Oh, that, okay, that's for dangerous. For his
2: birthday, and we'll wear them around. So why don't you just you and I just be in a, a, a T-shirt uh, armistice? Okay, T-shirts. He's accepted. So, uh, so that aside, um, people on the other side will will say that there is something to this, and that it's being repressed and that's the reason why it's so difficult to find provable instances of psychic detectives solving crimes that's why they would argue it's also impossible to find uh, a single person who has been repeatedly consistently doing these things yeah and at this point we want to hear what you think do you know of a case where a psychic person has inexplicably or inarguably solved a crime or missing persons case because we found things that sound tantalizing but we haven't found a home run. We haven't found anything that conclusively proves these people are out there.
3: Yeah, the biggest the, – the most successful version of this would be finding a culprit I think. Like actually going and pointing at someone and saying that person did it.
2: Right. And in serial killer cases, Mm -hmm. there are people who are not only attempting to recover a body but attempting to find an active killer. And we also want to know if you think this is all a con job or, you know, do you think these people are exploiting the hopes of folks who have already undergone a tremendously traumatic event and – do you think this practice will continue?
3: Yeah, we, we want to hear what you think about this because it, you know, we've got our opinions. Mm-hmm. We let some of them out today, but we want to hear yours. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter where we're Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Mm-hmm. If you want to call us, you can call our number. its eight three three 1-833-STD-STD. W-Y-T-K. That's stuff they don't want you to know Mm.
2: in acronym form. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, 24-7, 666 days out of the year. You can call us directly and leave a message. Let us know uh, your take on this. Let us know your suggestions for future topics. Let us know the strange secrets that you believe your fellow listeners either want to hear or need to hear. And, uh, you know, I I don't know about you, Matt – would I be open to talking to an actual to a psychic detective?
3: Oh, absolutely.
2: I would want to see. I would want to see their take, um, because I, I read some stuff, uh, f- accounts from several other people claiming to be psychic detectives working currently, and one guy was very candid. He said uh, he said that he had a success rate about eighteen to twenty percent. And he, I mean, he said, I have 18 to 20% success rate and I'm being honest. Wow. And that, that was, that was intriguing. So stay tuned and perhaps we will have a, a psychic detective on in the future to tell us about their experiences in the meantime as matt said uh, we would love to hear from you we would also love to hear your firsthand experiences with things that even if you don't believe in psychic powers things you find really difficult to explain
3: yeah any story about mm-hmm. that
2: Yes. So let us know. You can also jump on our community page. Here's where it gets crazy on Facebook to chat with Matt, Noel, myself, and your fellow listeners, most importantly. uh, That's where you can see us pop up in some threads. It's where we also look for a lot of topic suggestions for future episodes. In the meantime... I'm going to work on getting Long Island Medium on the show. (laughs) Come on, man. Teresa Caputo... Oh, man, all right will matt succeed in uh will matt...
3: <laughs> do you know Teresa Caputo get her on the show have her call one eight three three s t d w i t k leave her leave a message hopefully a cell phone number we'll get back to her she- she already knows that we're doing this and oh god just just is, cut all this no no no, <laughs> just no it's just a, cut all is this, this
2: revenge All
3: Are... right. <laughs> Teresa Caputo's coming on the show.
2: <laughs> All right, Matt. Matt just got, please just cut off. No, this. we're keeping it. Matt is—is is this? Are you and Noel taking revenge on me for the uh, PizzaGate comments in previous episodes? <laughs> yeah. All right. That's
3: exactly what this is well, about.
2: We're square now. Will we remain so? Will we still remain uh, closest of coworkers, best of friends, or is this the end? <laughs> It's hopefully not a real cliffhanger. Regardless of whether the Long Island medium has or has not received a vision of uh, speaking with us in the future, we want to hear from you. And if all that social media hullabaloo is not your bag of badgers, and you're, uh, like I am, uh, not the biggest fan of talking to people on the phone, we have good news. You can email us directly. We are. Conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
4: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows.
2: That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette,
0: Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks
2: Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso
0: Pluma, Sean Paul, some forty-one and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just
2: $25
0: each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now.